Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Free kick for Atleti. Good opportunity to give a shout to a blog, a US fan club of Atletico Madrid called Into the Calderon some really good content for all followers of the Colchoneros a decent base in the United States as well following the action on ESPN Plus give them a follow at Into the Calder of Coach Nero Chat coming at you on this Thursday. I'm Jeremy Barron. I'm joined by Sam Leverage of Into the Calderon. Sam, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Jeremy. How are you doing? Just fantastic. We've got a lot to get to on this Thursday show. We've got a couple of games to talk about, a few headlines. So why don't we dive right in with, with uh, the latest um, on Sergio Ramos retiring from the Spanish national team. I'm sure we, we both have thoughts on this, but we're going to try to keep it PG. Uh, Sam, your initial reaction to Ramos's retirement uh, letter. Do you have a bleep button for exclusives? You know, I can find one. I'm sure that won't be an (laughs) issue. That would be my initial reaction. I mean, just the ego on it. I think it's everything that everybody who's not keen on Sergio Ramos always thought Sergio Ramos would be like, I guess. And then it's just the most arrogant, self-important statement. It's incredible. I mean, even even if you're a Sergio Ramos fan, and I think Sergio Ramos is one of the best defenders with one of the most incredible records that 
of any footballer, let alone a Spanish footballer or a Spanish centre-back. And he's certainly going to be in that conversation of the best Spanish centre-backs ever. But to go out like that, and the whole statement, which if you haven't read it, the statement is very much along the lines of, I've been mis- mistreated and hard done by and and everybody should cry for me and everything is so unfair. And I'm like, come on, how old is he? Is he 35? It's normal that a coach might not want to call you up and instead look to the next generation. And and to say that it's regardless of how I perform or what I do in my career, I mean, come on, you've, you've gone to France because you can't stay fit in La Liga at Real Madrid. And yeah, okay, you might play the odd good game, but that's not going to earn you a place. And, and just the whole thing about the... Is it? I honestly believe that this journey deserved to end at my own choosing or because my performances were not at a level worthy of our national team. That was two years ago, Sergio Ramos. That's why you haven't been in the squad. It's only because Marca and Ars and whoever keep bringing it up and Chiringuito keep bringing it up at every press conference to do with the Spanish national team that you're even in the conversation. So just a very weird statement and very Sergio Ramos. Yeah, it, it's it, exactly. That's a, a an international retirement definitely befitting his character and his personality. He's 36. He made 180 appearances for the national team. And, you know, it, it if you take the the blinders off, which I know a lot of folks in, in Spanish media do not do, um, Sergio Ramos's exclusion from the national team is not the reason why Spain were knocked out of the World Cup in the last 16 by Morocco, right? Um, Ramos's performances have been declining for a couple of years now. That's why Real Madrid were comfortable with letting him go and getting rid of his huge salary. And he hasn't really been setting the world alight at PSG either. Uh, He's spent his first year there injured, and PSG have been awful in this calendar year. Um, That's not just because of Ramos is playing or not, but PSG have a bunch of other problems. But the point is that Ramos... Uh, was was finished at this level a couple of years ago, right? If he wasn't, Madrid would have extended his contract, just like they would have extended Marcelo's contract last year. You know, just, yeah, just, just like they would have... Like a strange a strange attitude to have towards it. Well, I mean, you look at kind of his partner for so long was Gerard Pique, and he's kind of... I think Gerard Pique has done things the right way, but Gerard Pique has gone out and kind of accepted that he's not the player he once was and, yeah. and moved on, whereas... Sergio Ramos still seems to think that he's the Sergio Ramos of 10 years ago. Which, you know, it's great to have that confidence and that belief in yourself. That's awesome. But, you know, Sergio, here's what, the facts don't really bear out your self-confidence. And I, and I commend Luis de la Fuente, the new Spain coach, uh, for, you know, taking a, a bit of a stand here. This is not a very, for a lot of people, this is not going to be a very popular decision. Sergio Ramos has a lot of fans, both in and out of, of the media landscape. Um, and the initial talk when De La Fuente replaced Luis Enrique was that he was going to bring Sergio Ramos back into the national team setup. So good for him for not doing that. Spain needed to move on from him. They needed to move on from Gerard Piquet. They have done. Uh, Spain have a bunch of other issues that came to light during the World Cup, of course. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the future for Spain, it, there's really no... It does them no good to look to the past and to look to Sergio Ramos. So... Um, but the statement was like three screenshots long. Like if just for reference, if you all haven't read it, it's like two or three screenshots. So if you want to read it, have fun. I've had it. Um, speaking of things that are fun that we're, that we're going to have a go at Sam, uh, the escalating scandal involving Barcelona and payments to the former vice president of the refereeing committee. This has been in the news for what, 10 days now. And it just keeps getting worse. 
we haven't had the chance to talk about it on the show yet, Sam, but it's, a, a ra- again, rapidly escalating and, and an enveloping scandal in, in La Liga. And it involves the Federation, the refereeing committee, a whole bunch of different parties. Yeah, I mean, this is well, what looks like it could be allegedly some very, very dodgy dealings. And the more that comes out, the worse it seems to look. And it just seems to be very questionable. I mean, initially, it kind of could make sense Barcelona's excuse that they were paying to have these reports about referees and the best way to approach them and things which... You say, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sound like it's all above board, and it doesn't sound like that's exactly ethical or anything like that. But okay, maybe that is a justifiable legally. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing against the rules and so on. But the more details that come out, I mean, Ernesto Valverde and Tata Martino, two former Barcelona coaches, coming out and saying they never saw any of these supposed reports is just mad. I mean, you know. We're at a, position where every day new details seem to be coming out i think today on on thursday the, the one that came out was that some of the reports directly talk about laporta and some of the details directly reference messages and so on sent to, to juan laporta and it's just it's very hard to fathom to what extent this goes down not just for barcelona but then this statement that it was actually Atleti that tried to make this statement happen with all of the clubs in La Liga issuing a statement condemning what was coming out. And Real Madrid, well, depends who you believe, Real Madrid didn't take part, didn't sign that letter. Mm-hmm. Um, Real Madrid said they weren't invited to, or they weren't part of that club who, who did that. But then other sources say that Real Madrid didn't want to. And I, mean, I think... We've seen a lot of Real Madrid and Barcelona kind of getting closer to one another regarding the Super League and so on, but it seems very... It's raised question marks from certain people who doubt the intentions or the the motivations behind that decision from Real Madrid as well. And that was obviously one of the big questions that a lot of neutral fans in Spain were asking was, if Barcelona were doing this, it's hard to imagine that they were the only ones mm-hmm. doing it. So it opens up a whole big can of worms. That, I mean, Calcio Poli in Italy, uh, what was that, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that that could be looking kind of similar. It's not good. It really, any way you slice it, like the payments made to this referee, uh, Jose Maria Enriquez Negrera, the payments made to him by Barcelona were made to... Uh, what, what basically amounts to a shell company, a marketing company that no longer technically exists and hasn't done any marketing uh, business in like two or three years, at least since the pandemic began. It's not good. And I, I really wonder where where this is going to end up. I, I don't know. This is re- relatively unprecedented and obviously not the the behind closed doors kind of under the table, you know, gesturing and, and payments and nudge nudging like that. Obviously, that has happened in Italy, it's happened in Spain, Germany, England, you know, all top teams and all top divisions, like to stay at the top, you have to be ruthless and cut corners, right? That's not a justification of Barcelona's behavior. It's a potential explanation as to why they did this. Um, but I don't know that this is for this information to come out and to keep coming out 
uh, at the rate it's coming out, it's obviously a, a big-time black guy for Barcelona, for a club that has taken a number of hits like this in recent years. Um, and, and the fact that the current president, current and former president, was involved, um, at least in some manner, in these payments is also really damning. I don't know what the sanctions are going to look like, but they really should be immense, shouldn't they? Yeah, not just that, of course, but the fact that Barcelona's response to it initially, which, I mean, the statement they initially put out, one of the three or four points that they had was that they weren't very happy that this news had come out in the best sporting time of the season, right. or when Barcelona were the best form. I can't remember the exact wording. But it was like, come on, you're not taking this seriously to, <laughs> to be pointing the finger at, well, this would come out during when we're in good form and so on. And, I mean... If the club is going to be taking it seriously, they should be addressing the the concerns and everything raised rather than pointing at fingers at who could have leaked this information or whatever it might be. Now, with respect to the timing, it was a, a Barcelona radio program that delivered the initial report. It was initially their exclusive before the other before our other outlets picked it up. So I, I that that argument really isn't a very good one, Juan. <laughs> if the the timing is meant to hurt Barcelona, it was your your own local radio station that came out with the report, man. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, in, in spite of that, we we continue to love this sport anyway, Sam. You, you choose to love this sport and to love this country and to love this league anyway, despite the pretty brazen corruption that's going on behind the scenes that you know everyone knows about. And I find it. As I always do, I find it very funny that Real Madrid and Barcelona are kind of teaming up here once again. The rivalry and how it plays out on social media versus how it plays out in offices in real life is starkly different. Those two clubs get along very well, it would appear, behind closed doors. So we we will see how this uh, develops in, in coming days, weeks, months. We certainly have not heard the end of it. But on to um, more pertinent matters, Sam. On to uh, Atletico de Madrid matters. We've got a couple of games to discuss. The first one, that which took place over the weekend, a 1-0 home win over Athletic, uh, punctuated, capped off by a spectacular uh, solo goal from Antoine Griezmann, Sam. What are your takeaways from from this match? Well, it was almost kind of Diego Simeone, Real Madrid. I don't know where that came from. Diego Simeone, <laughs> Atletico Madrid. Wash um, your mouth out with but, soap. <laughs> that would be a whole different parallel universe. Right? Yeah. But, um, no, Diego Simeone, Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, the 1-0 win at home. Uh, Antoine Griezmann goal. Um, and it was a superb goal from Antoine Griezmann. And that's three of the last four games that Aleti have now won one nil. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into the game against Real Madrid this weekend, I think that's a very good sign because if Aleti are to grind out a result, they will have to grind out a result. The concern, of course, is that there aren't that many goals coming, particularly at home. It's looking like it's a little bit more difficult than perhaps it should be. And again, I'm not sure we could say that Atletico played Athletic off the park. I think Athletic were good value for a point and I thought they played pretty well and they can certainly be frustrated that they didn't take something from this game. But Atletico did get the win and, and that's all you can really ask, right? I mean, the the team that, that went out there, I don't think any of the players particularly had a disappointing game. I think everyone kind of did their job well and looked pretty solid and 
and gave Diego Simeone some decisions to make ahead of the derby this weekend. So, yeah, a, a good performance, not exactly anything too exciting or we'll be watching back in the highlights reels for, for too long. But this is the kind of result that Alessi needs to pick up to, to guarantee that top four spot. The Griezmann goal is probably the the only real good highlight from this game. Um, All Black made a really good save on Nico Williams just after halftime. That was after Ernesto Valverde decided to move Nico to the opposite wing just to get him away from Reynaldo, who for the second time this season just ate his lunch. Uh, But the Griezmann goal, Sam, this was just tremendous. Uh, Griezmann didn't do it all himself. He had played quick one-twos with uh, Pablo Bardos and Memphis, but... The run to evade how many defenders on his way into the box and then just hit this finish at the far post. Just It kissed off the base of the far post. No chance for uh, Aguirre Zavala, the backup uh, keeper for Athletic. No chance to get to this one. Uh, just a perfectly placed and a perfectly timed goal. Um, from La Liga TV, only Hugo Sanchez has scored all his team's goals in a single game more times than Antoine Griezmann has. And this is throughout La Liga history. So Hugo did this on 23 occasions. Griezmann's done it on 22. That's more than Messi, more than David Villa. Uh, that's just an incredible stat and just reinforces how important Griezmann was in his first stint as a Colt Gennaro and how he has reasserted himself um, as the most fundamental Atletico player in his second stint. Yeah, we think we can expect that figure to, to rise and overtake Hugo Sanchez because that's one Griezmann. Certainly still looks like he has plenty left in the tank and he's still a very decisive player for Atletico Madrid and one of those few players that you look at within this Atletico Madrid team and, and say he's a game changer. He can decide a game at the moment. And Yannick Carrasco when he's in form, uh, Antoine Griezmann. Other than that, perhaps you're struggling to look for that kind of player too often. So, I mean, that's why he is so important for Atletico. And we haven't really seen him finish many chances like that this season. Just his seventh goal in La Liga. It's still the highest total on on our team, of course. Um, Atletico in the past four games have taken 52 shots, 16 of them on target, uh, but have only scored four goals. However, they have won three games, 1-0, with three late goals. Uh, The winner against Osasuna, Saul's goal at El Sadar, came with 74 minutes gone. The winner at Celta from Memphis came in the 89th minute. Griezmann's winner here came in the 73rd minute. And I think this was a very even game, certainly through the first half. Shots were even at halftime. Athletic seemed to have um, the better of the play. Uh, possession was about even. It ended up favoring Atletico 57% to 43%. But Atletico really took off after halftime, outshot Athletic 11-2, to and they really didn't have any response. Uh, what was? What do you think the big change was after halftime, was it just the uh, we have to have better vibes? Was it just a matter of energy, intensity, um, or was it Simeone's substitutions having a, a say in how this one ended up? Yeah, well, I don't think the substitutions too often this season have had too big an impact for the positive. I think we've seen Diego Simeone get it wrong a few times, but I think this time he got it right. I think the players that came on did make a positive impact and have a positive influence, but I also think there's something to be said about the fitness and the rotation, which is having an impact late on in these games. I mean, it's kind of a, a tough one to, to talk about because is this a good thing that Aleti are having to leave it late to win games? It's obviously a good thing that we're turning these draws into wins and so on. 
how often, even earlier on in the season, did we see this kind of thing where Aleti would be in a game until the final five, ten minutes and then suddenly fade. So this is a big improvement in that sense, but at the same time you're kind of thinking, how long can this team maintain this? Yeah, okay, we have the benefit of not being in Europe, which is much of a benefit, but it means that the players are getting seven days of rest in between games, which Diego Simone talks about a lot. And that's obviously having a positive knock-on effect. But when we get towards the tail end of the season, I mean, I think the last two fixtures are Real Sociedad and Villarreal, and they're both huge fixtures. Are we going to be able to demand this same kind of approach, this same kind of fitness in the last game of the season when we're going to be into the month of June against Villarreal away, who are not going to be an easy opponent if we still need points at, at that stage of the season? then perhaps you're hoping for a little bit more than just this fitness. But right now, it's, it's showing why it is so important and we are starting to pick up the points and that comes from the fitness, it comes from the squad depth that we do have a little bit more of now to be able to make these changes and so on. I mean, looking at the changes that, that Diego Simeone made, I mean, to bring on Alvaro Morata, he's a, he might not be the best striker in the world, but to bring him off the bench after an hour is something that teams like Athletic simply can't do they don't have that quality so to have that kind of depth is is big for Atletico and especially in this race for the top four where I mean teams like Atletic don't have that but teams like Real Betis Real Sociedad maybe don't have that same depth either they're turning to the youngsters or the fringe players and they're not going to have the same kind of quality as Alvaro Morata or Memphis Depay who can come off the bench for Atletico so it's it's interesting to see how long Atleti maintain this kind of approach and and whether this kind of does turn into a trend long term or, or where this leads to. And that depth could be decisive because uh, Atletico are the only team really in this this group, like three through five or three through six, depending on if you count Raya Vallecano. Uh, Atletico are the only team that don't have European commitments for the rest of the season. And as of now, provisionally, they're they're with entering the games this weekend. They're two points behind Real Sociedad, four points ahead of Betis, although that could change uh what, I think six or seven points clear uh, of Rio. That too could change. Atletico still have head-to-heads with Betis and Rio later this season, in addition to La Real as the home finale, Villarreal as the season finale in the first week of June. So plenty of football still to be played. But this was another big win. Uh, and Atletico's home form, as we know, has been pretty shocking for most of the season. Uh, just, uh, I think this is only their sixth win at home uh, in all competitions between... La Liga and the Champions League. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, since Barcelona came to town and beat us uh, in January, Atletico have taken 13 of the last 15 points possible, only dropping those two points against Tetafe. So, uh, and, and since the World Cup, eight wins, two draws, two defeats. Those only two defeats to Barcelona in the league and Real Madrid in the Cup. So, has Diego Simeone won back this group of players? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's a great question because how much of this is Diego Simeone? I think since the World Cup, we've seen some huge step ups in performances from players like Mario Hermoso before mm-hmm. the World Cup. He was a clown, to be quite honest, and he's been <laughs> brilliant since the World Cup. And now, when Melina and Rodrigo de Paul have both come back from the World Cup, looking like players who've had the confidence boost of having won the World Cup. And I think that's had a huge impact. Marco Llorente as well has been in superb form. He was just heading into that World Cup break. And since the World Cup, he's been in pretty incredible. 
Antoine Griezmann has maintained his form as well. So I think we're starting to see these players build kind of a spine that has been superb. How much of that is down to Diego Simeone? How much of that is down to the players themselves is is hard to say. But I feel like Diego Simeone has learned. He has changed things and, and made it easier for those players to shine. And I mean, I think what we're seeing, especially as we say with these three out of four one nil wins, this is Diego Simeone doing what Diego Simeone knows best. And if mm-hmm. he's getting these players to work in, in the way in the system that he knows and he likes, then that's testament to the coach. So I guess, yeah, it is down to Diego Simeone and it is very positive. I mean, as you say, we've only lost to Real Madrid, we've only lost to Barcelona. Equally, the other fixtures that Aleti have had haven't been too challenging. Maybe Athletic Club was the toughest game yet outside of those two defeats. And so I think the real test is going to come in, in the next few weeks in April when there's Real Betis, when there's Rayo Vallecano, when there's a trip to Camp Nou to face Barcelona. Because, yeah, it's OK to say we've only lost to Real Madrid and Barcelona, but then if we lose again to Barcelona, if we lose again to another team that's in the top four, then that's when things start to get a bit trickier. But I feel like this is a huge period because it's building the confidence and and that's only a good thing if Valeti can keep this up, if they can really challenge Real Madrid in the derby at the weekend, then that can be a propeller for, for the final few months of the season. And if anything, just to build up that margin and, and have a bit of a breathing room now, four points over Real Betis and that was nowhere near as comfortable even just before the World Cup. So a much better position than where Atleti were. Yeah, it, it, it must be said a few of those victories were against little lower tier t- uh, sides in the cup, you know, Antero, Oviedo, Levante, Elche as well, who are almost certainly going down. So, you know, half of those wins were against teams either fighting relegation or, you know, already in at least one or two tiers below Atletico in, in the Spanish football pyramid. But a win's a win. You can only be who... who you put in front of you. And though it hasn't always been pretty, it the 1-0 is is the hallmark of Chalismo. Uh the 1-0 is is our trademark. When when people think of Atletico under Simeone, they think, you know, grinded out, horrible suffering, 1-0 wins, right? Uh and that's important because it's an identity. And for so much of the past couple of seasons, especially since we last won the league, it's been very much Atletico or in some kind of an an identity crisis, some kind of an injury crisis, some kind of, you know, it's variable. We don't know how they're going to play. They could, you know, win this game 4-1 or they could lose it 4-1. to They don't have any, you know, control. They're not defending well. It's this and that. So the 1-0 scoreline and what comes from that, again, hallmarks of Cholismo, and it is an identity. It is definitely something to build on for the rest of this season, we don't know whether Simeone will be in charge for next season. I would expect he stays, but you never know. He does have a year left on his contract. And in this span of 12 games, Atletico have kept seven clean sheets, um, have shipped only six goals. This is a team that allowed over 40 goals in the league last year and was on pace to allow 35-plus entering the World Cup break. They now have the second-best defense in La Liga, though it doesn't really seem like it. They certainly do. And a large part of that is because, you know, Ray Nildo has stepped up again. He played great at the weekend. He loves a game against Athletic, it would appear. And Mario Hermoso, who you mentioned a moment ago, Sam, there was a report in Marca this week that Atletico are now discussing whether to renew Hermoso's contract. And they reportedly have Simeone's approval to do so. What a turnaround. 
Yeah, well, I think Diego Simeone has always liked Mario Anamoso and, and he's a big character in the dressing room and so on. And I think his contract is it up, well, not this summer, but next summer, yeah. which kind of puts you in that position of we have to make a decision because if we're not going to renew it, we need to sell him this summer. And yeah, I mean, we can talk about this run of form. It's only been two months and I saw somebody the other day call it a purple patch and why are we extending his contract based on a purple patch of form, but mm. this is more like the Mariota Mosso we saw in that title-winning season, and I think he does have this in his locker, it's just getting that consistently. If Diego Simeone can do that, then he has a central defender who can be a huge figure in that Atletico defence for the next five years. It's just that matter of consistency, but I think he's a, definitely a useful option to have around whether or not you need other players to come in, I think that's still an area that Atletico have to look at. But now, based on the last two months, it would be very difficult to argue that Atletico should sell Mario Armasso. So it's, it's one of those players who's always going to divide opinions and a bit more might you either love him or hate him. But I think he has proved that he has a role to play in this Atletico squad, whether he's good enough to be the starting, one of the first central defenders or not is another debate but he definitely has a role to play in the squad with the ball at his feet he is our best center back and like that's been true for like the last three years like Jose Jimenez Stefan Savage cannot do with the ball what Mario Hermoso can do in terms of uh, La Salida in terms of getting the ball out from the back bringing it up with an expansive passing range helping progress play forward from the back that is um very often been missing from Simeone's Atletico, certainly in, in the early years of, of Cholismo. But with Hermoso's purchase in 2019, his first year didn't go too well. Then he had that brilliant six-month period of form in 2020-2021 where he looked like one of the best center backs in the country. Um, and he's been very topsy-turvy the last season and a half since then, but he really is in a, a rich vein of form right now. He's one of the first names on the team sheet um, because him, you know, neither Jimenez nor Savage is available weekly through suspension or injury. Someone has to play there. Felipe is gone. And Hermoso isn't just playing there. I would argue that he's, by his standard, thriving. And Atletico's board will certainly look upon a renewal with, with, with great interest. They already know that they have a lot of work to do this summer. Um, so the less you know, talent identification and negotiating they have to do with other clubs for their players, the better. So they will probably look favorably on extending Hermoso. And he is only 27. Like, there's still room to grow here. A lot of times you don't see central defenders really hit their prime, hit peak form until their late 20s, early 30s. So I can't really believe I'm saying this, given you and I have watched Hermoso and, and what he has done and, and not done. But Hermoso still has room to grow. He could yet turn into a, a really solid all-around center back. It, it's still possible. Yeah, and even that we're seeing that that when Savage and Jimenez are available, Simeone has been kind of alternating them, which is wise, given that neither of them can play two matches in a row if their lives depended on it. But also, that's because of Mario Ramos and the form that he's been in. And I think he is he has been one of the most consistent players since the turn of the year. And, and that's exactly what Atletico needed, because... If this was the Mario Hermoso of the first half of this season, for example, I feel like there's no way we would be talking about Atletico being comfortable in the top four race and and stringing together runs of wins. I think we'd be in a very different position. So 
we talk about players who can make a difference. I think for me, Mario Hermoso's form over the last two months could be differential in how this season goes for Atletico. Had this two months have been this way all the season, I feel like Atletico would probably still be in the Champions League or even in Europe, just at that level. But I feel like things would be a little bit different for Atletico. Yeah, we, we'd be shipping three goals a game, if basically, if Hermoso weren't in this form. Uh, speaking of players in good form, you mentioned uh, this guy a moment ago too, Rodrigo DePaul, who had to come off on the hour uh, with what was later confirmed to be a hamstring injury. He will not play the Madrid Derby this weekend, and we're going to talk about how big a loss that is. DePaul played pretty well, uh, completed all but two passes, 10 progressive passes, five shot-creating actions in just under an hour of work. A really solid performance for him in, in an understated way. But Pablo Barrios came on and replaced him, Sam. And it's time now for our weekly Pablo Barrios update. 42 touches and only 30 minutes of action. Uh, two tackles, one interception, 19 carries, and uh, kind of gets a, a secondary assist uh, on the Griezmann goal because he played a 1-2 with him up the left flank um, on his way uh, into the penalty area. Barrios just just adding minutes, right? This is what it's all about for him, is, is accruing minutes, getting match experience at the highest level. Like, athletic or no pushovers. Like, they are, once again, in the Europa League or Conference League hunt. This is a solid team that's well-coached and has a bunch of really talented players. Um, but Barrios holding his own in what was a goalless game when he came on, and he had a role to play in the winning goal. Um I'm not really sure there's a question there, but, you know, uh, Barrios impressed me once again. He really does, for a 19-year-old kid who was playing for Fernando Torres' B team earlier this year, uh, Barrios really has stepped up, and uh, Lewandowski just scored a penalty for Barcelona. But Barrios has really stepped up and started to carve out a, a bit of a role for himself. Good for him. Yeah, I think he's kind of showing what he's he's been doing. Um, and working on and improving and kind of showing his role that he's not always going to be a starting starting figure in this team but he does have that capacity he's kind of having the squad role and, and growing into the team and this is the kind of stability and consistency that he needs to build up so yeah I feel like this is a, a positive building block for him to continue to improve I think what probably impresses me the most about him having you know watched him since you know before and after he got the pro contract his composure um his composure his passing range um his energy his agility all really really positive things that our midfield has been missing especially the composure and passing range we've really missed that quality and what's become a pretty stagnant middle of the pitch in a midfield line in the past couple of years barrios has added something new and he did it for free. We didn't have to pay transfer fee for this. He came from our academy. Um, you know, more of the same, please. That would be wonderful. But great minutes for Barrios, who uh, was, according to football reference, he was credited with a goal-creating action um, on, on Griezmann's goal, completed 80% of his passes. Uh, again, he's 19 years old and was playing for our B team earlier this season. So it's quite the step up. And you mentioned this on, on a pod a couple of weeks ago. It's important that Simeone does kind of monitor him and how he handles the pressure uh, and just you don't want to burn him out too quickly because this has all happened very fast for him. Totally get that. But it's really exciting to see a kid from the academy make it when we haven't, uh, potentially make it, I should say, when we haven't had that happen in a long time. And he might start the derby this weekend. 
Yeah, well, let's see who starts that derby. Some of the, the line-up for Diego Simeone was trying and training on Thursday. He had Saul in the team, which who, who could have seen that one coming? Yeah. Um, I think it it could be an interesting team selection. I just hope that, that Diego Simeone kind of sticks to his guns and must have been working, which is obviously difficult with some of the injuries to Rodrigo De Paul, for example, but... Let's not try and reinvent the wheel and fix something that isn't broken. Yeah, let let us turn now to the derby on Saturday evening at the Santiago Bernabeu Atletico's second visit to Real Madrid this season. Madrid will be missing Rodrigo Gómez and David Alaba through injury. Uh, Rodrigo scored uh, the uh, the goal that kind of changed the game in the Copa del Rey quarterfinal last month, just going through Axel Witzel and passing the ball into the net to make it 1-1. Madrid eventually winning 3-1. So the 11 in training today, uh, according to, uh, uh, I think it was Belen Sanchez-Garcia who tweeted this, uh, Oblak in goal, Molina, and uh, Simeone is, looks like he's trying a 3-5-2 here. Molina and Carrasco, the wingbacks, a central defense trio of Savage, Hermoso, and Reynildo. Coque, Saul, and Barrios in the middle. Griezmann and Llorente up top, which is an interesting one to say the least. We haven't seen Llorente play as a forward uh, in two or three years, uh, and Saul obviously starting with that would be a big surprise, considering he kind of has a bit part role at Atletico. I want to get your thoughts on what you th- what you make of Jeffrey Condogbia's situation, Sam. He is kind of an afterthought right now. He's been an unused substitute at Atletico's past three games. Axel Witzel also is not really a principal part of Simeone's plans right now either, but Condogbia has a profile that really no one else in this team has, which is a midfield destroyer. So what do you make of, of Kondogbia's situation and will we see him again anytime soon? It's weird, isn't it? I mean, he was kind of one of the first names on the team sheet for quite a long time earlier on in the season. But again, it's it's not just him, is it? It's Axel Witzel as well, who's kind of fallen out of favour and and really, they both kind of play that same kind of role. And what we've seen is that this current system doesn't so much have that deep-lying, destructive midfielder. We've seen more kind of Koke sitting deep and and playing in that deeper role, but being very kind of more of a deep-lying playmaker than a destructor. And I think it's it's not so much Kondogbia, it's not so much Axel Witzel, but it's more the system and that they don't really fit into this right now. And so I think the real test might be, for example, the derby, if Saul or if Pablo Barrios are starting this game ahead of them, then that will say a lot. But I feel like equally it's not so much a personnel issue as, as a tactical decision that Jeffrey Kondogbia doesn't play that role as well because his best role is that destructive midfield force. And, and yeah, I mean, he's... He can play in other roles, but maybe Pablo Barrios has kind of stepped ahead of him in those other roles, and I think it's more of a natural fit. So it makes sense, but I don't think we've seen the last of Jeffrey Gondogbia. I think he still has a role to play, and and as we know, I mean, how many different systems are we seeing from Atletico this season? That that sometime Atleti will need that kind of player in the system, and and Gondogbia will come back into the fold. I'm sure. So. It just feels like a cyclical thing. And at the moment, he's going to have his spell on the sidelines just because he doesn't quite fit in. And he'll have to be patient and and then show what he can do when he does have a chance and, and come back into the team. 
Yeah, before uh, Tomalema went out with a, a knee injury, which which was minor, he's expected to be in the squad for Saturday. Simeone was really kind of enamored with this uh, Barrios Coque Lema or Coque Lema DePaul trio in midfield with Griezmann shuttling between the midfield and forward lines and the defensive line too, because Griezmann does so much running. Uh, Simeone was was really kind of enamored with with not playing a true defensive midfielder without playing a true pivot. So that kind of rules out Kondogbia. It kind of rules out Witzel, who at this point in his career is probably better in central defense anyway. Uh, Witzel confirmed in an interview yesterday, by the way, that he's going to come back next season, that he had a clause in his contract that is about to be triggered, and he will be a Colchonero for 2023-24, which I don't necessarily mind. I think Witzel is still a useful player, uh, just kind of a specialist at this point in his career. If he's playing in central defense, I don't think he'll really affect minutes for young midfielders who are coming up. Certainly not young forwards or wingers who are, are coming up or are going to be recalled on loan. Uh, Witzel's still a really good passer. He's a really smart player. Positionally, he's pretty solid. He can play midfield if needed, but I, I, I think that's, that's fine. If Witzel comes back for next season and if he's going to be playing in central defense, I think that's probably okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of it, isn't it? Yeah, okay, that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you could probably do better, but excited. he's cheap, he's yeah, a veteran, I mean, he, he, Simeone and his staff seem to like him, so he's a pro, he's seen it all, 800-plus games played professionally. Yeah, there's, well, there's no young players coming through who could fill that gap by the looks of it, or at least with that versatility and so on, that that maybe you could be tempted to say as the alternative. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you have that clause in your contract, we're not gonna. I wouldn't try and desperately try and get rid of him or anything like that. If his contract was up at the end of the season, there was no clause. I'm not sure anybody would have been too sad to see the back of him either. But yeah, okay. Uh, we're talking about the depth just a little while ago, and and he is the kind of player who adds that strength and depth and that quality and. And he is an experienced head, and, and if we do see some of the players, the Jimenez or the Savage, or whoever it may be, move on from the team this summer, then having one of those players with a bit more experience could be could be useful. Yeah, that could be important, especially if one of those players does end up leaving. Uh, Griezmann and Llorente up top, potentially, for Saturday. Now, we've, we've seen Simeone pull off surprises in the derby before. Uh, Mateus Cunha got a start in the derby at the Metropolitano last season, which ended in a 1-0 win. We've seen, you know, Vitolo randomly got a start in the derby five years ago, laid on an assist for for Griezmann in an eventual 1-1 draw. So, so Griezmann and Llorente up top, Barrios, Coque, and Saul in the engine room. Do you like going back to the 3-5-2 here? Should Atletico be sticking with a 4-4-2 slash 4-3-3? Uh, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because Real Madrid are Real Madrid, and stopping Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, especially after the the huge boost that they would have had in midweek, yeah, is is an, a task that is always going to be tough. But if it were me, I think I'd like to try and stick to the same kind of system that's been working of late, and. And that has been working with the the four four two, which kind of converts into a four four three, a four three three, and I think that that has been working. I'd be reluctant to change from that, but there's also an element here of in Diego Simeone. We trust 
I feel like he's almost earned this license to experiment and surprise things a little bit. And I mean, at the end of the day, he went with this system against Real Madrid and the Copa del Rey just a little while ago. It almost worked out, but not quite. Mm-hmm. If he's learned from that, then I think we have to trust his judgment and and see. And I mean, it's something that will give Atleti fans maybe a little bit more hope to see going out so offensively with three in attack, especially with Llorente and so on. Maybe that's a little bit more offensive than we've seen in derbies of late. So maybe that is a positive so that they could be from that selection. You know, I think Simeone might be viewing it kind of the opposite. He views it as adding an extra defender. If Reynildo is in central defense, Carrasco is the wingback. Simeone views it as adding just another body in the middle to to counteract Madrid's threats from, from wide. You know, if Camavinga is going to play... As a fullback, again, you, you have the threat of Vinicius down the left that Molina is going to have to handle. You need an extra body in the in the box to kind of just hoof crosses away to kind of clear the ball and start a counterattack. Maybe that could be part of the thinking. I'm not sure. Um, but with Madrid in midweek, man, I know this is going to hurt you because you're a Liverpool fan, but I, I couldn't, even for Madrid, right? And we know their, their magic and their aura and their mystique in the Champions League, what they did to Liverpool midweek was just brutal. Um, from 2-0 down inside 15 minutes, and they go on to win 5-2. Like, that was just... That is, like, illegal in a number of jurisdictions under the European Union. Yeah, it's it's Real Madrid. But then at the same time, that's Real Madrid in the Champions League. This is Real Madrid in La Liga. Yeah. And we can't forget that this is Real Madrid in La Liga. Off the back of that incredibly intense high in the Champions League, they now have to come back to reality, back to the NBA. And they are eight points behind Barcelona. And the euphoria of that Champions League win, if I mean Barcelona playing Manchester United right now, if they beat Manchester United, does that take off a little bit of that euphoria for, for Real Madrid and their win over Liverpool, perhaps? And then they have to get back to the reality. And obviously, this is a big game and so on. But they also have a Clásico coming up in the Copa del Rey semi-finals in midweek. So if this was anybody other than Atletico Madrid, you'd probably expect them to rotate the full team and so on. They are eight points off Barcelona. Is there going to be that temptation from Carlo Ancelotti to maybe rest a few of the players? Rodrigo and David Alba are both out injured. I think that's where the mentality will be key, especially in the opening minutes. If Atleti can start strong, get Real Madrid on the back foot, that's going to make a huge difference to to avoiding Real Madrid kind of having that that Real Madrid confidence, arrogance that they have, particularly mm-hmm. at home, that, that makes them so hard to beat. Yeah, uh, a start like the one we had in the Cup last month, that would be ideal. The first, the first half of that game was among Atletico's best 45-minute spells of the season. They were great. They were incisive. They were sharp. Uh, a really well-worked team goal scored by Alvaro Morata to cap it off. And it could have been the winning goal on another day, but sadly it was not. Nonetheless, Atletico do have a chance at revenge on Saturday and hopefully uh, avoiding losing three Madrid derbies in one season. That would be difficult to take. And as we mentioned earlier in, in the pod, this is a big test. Atletico haven't played, the, the frankly, the strongest teams in this dozen-game stretch since the World Cup ended in December. Um, one of the, the two losses they've had to Real Madrid, the other to Barcelona. So this is a big time test and, and a victory here really would set the tone and the tempo for the rest of the season. You'd, you'd have to consider Atletico favorites to get third place if they win this game, regardless of what La Real do the rest of the way. 
um, if they lose, yeah, it's it's a big blow, but there are plenty of other games still to come, including big-time home games against uh, Betis and Real Sociedad at the end of the season. So we'll see. Um, I find it I, I find an Atletico victory kind of hard to predict on Saturday. Atletico have not won at the Bernabeu in seven years. I think a draw would be a really good result. I'm going to call a 1-1 draw. Yeah, I'm going to call like a nil nil would be that would also be great for both teams and I mean it was only a couple of years ago I feel like every Madrid derby ended nil nil with, yeah. with with this so I feel like neither team is going to be particularly desperate to go go for it and really gamble and so on so I feel like yeah a low scoring draw is a likely result for this one we're just looking at some of the previous things earlier on and yeah, I think that's going to be one of the inevitables. I think a lot of it is going to come down to that midfield battle and looking at the the lineups that the AOC Minutes tying in training. If it is Saul, Pablo Barrios, and Coque, that on paper at least looks like a midfield battle that you'd expect Real Madrid to win with with Luka Modric or with Tony Cruz or with Eduardo Camavinga, Fede Valverde, whoever it may be, you'd expect them to be stronger than Pablo Barrios and Saul. So, that could be decisive, but mm-hmm. if Atletico can be strong defensively and, and they do have that ability down the flanks with Carrasco, with Llorente, to, to impact on the counter, then I feel like the, the earlier the goal is in this game, the more interesting a game it could be to watch in terms of entertainment. If we get to, to the 60-minute mark without a goal, I feel like it could be one of those cagey affairs that just ends goals. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that would suit Madrid because nominally they're they're still fighting for La Liga, but the reality is they're eight points back. They are probably not going to win the league this year, um, so their their priorities will be the cup competitions. I think uh, just prat just as a matter of practicality, you've got the cup semifinal, you've got the Champions League, which which is their competition. As we know, we we get it, Madrid. You don't have to keep proving it every year. Uh, you know they have those that they can go all out to win. La Liga might be a stretch too far for them, but you know, I, this this game matters for for both teams and and especially from the Atletico point of view, keep the unbeaten run going, really again set the tone for the rest of the season, use it as as a, kind of a a launching pad to finish third and reevaluate and reassess everything in 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 the summer, which of course will have plenty of time to discuss. Uh, that'll do it for our show today, Sam, unless you've got anything else. No, I just want to get through the, the weekend without Real Madrid humiliating, destroying another one of my teams <laughs> <laughs> and just make it to, to Saturday night still in one piece and, and not destroyed by my Real Madrid supporting friend. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but we will be back next week to discuss this game, win, lose, or draw. Sam Leverage, thank you so much for hopping on the show today, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jenny. Good to be here. And thank you, dear listener, for sticking with us uh, through our conversation. You can get more of our content on IntoTheCalderon.com, Patreon.com slash Chat for more exclusive audio programming. And uh, we'll chat with you again next week. Adios.